We're going to be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 11. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagan, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them, and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, is give, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. And to another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. Still another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Please be seated. One thing I want to mention here at the very beginning this morning, we are blessed today uh, to have a former senior pastor visiting with us. Uh, Pastor Verl Brubaker is here. He was a senior pastor at Calvary from 1997 to 2003. Uh, And if you you didn't see him earlier during the greeting time, I just wanted to mention that to you uh, to make sure to come on down and get a chance to visit with him after service. So, you might have noticed that the, uh, the message was titled this morning, Spiritual Gifts. One thing that was revealed by our surveys last year is that we have not done a good enough job teaching about spiritual gifts. So for the next two weeks, I'd like to take some time and be intentional to talk about them. And then, very soon, we're going to offer a spiritual gifts inventory. And when we do, I hope that you'll take it. I hope you'll, you'll be willing to, to dive in and do that. It'd be really interesting to see together what gifts we have here at Calvary. And I think that we won't be really surprised, but there's something that's very helpful about having them kind of discerned through an inventory that way. There are always surprises for individuals, even if not for the group. Now today, as we dive into spiritual gifts, we want to, we want to think about two questions. The first question is this, and it's the one we're going to tackle today. It's what are spiritual gifts. What are spiritual gifts? Next week, we're going to ask the question, what are my spiritual gifts? And we're going to take those one at a time. So today, we're going to look at spiritual gifts as a whole. What are they? What do we mean by that phrase? Now, this is a bit of a tricky subject, and people tend to get pretty emotional about it. So I want to say this. If you're bothered Uh, By anything I say today, if you disagree strongly, please don't keep that to yourself. Come and talk to me afterwards. Reach out to me during the week. The worst thing would be for you to be bothered that I said or didn't say something and keep it to yourself. I'd like to hear about it and talk about it with you. So with that said, here is our single sentence sermon summary this morning. A spiritual gift is an ability or a talent that the Holy Spirit consistently uses through you to benefit the kingdom of God. I'm going to say that again. A spiritual gift is an ability or talent that the Holy Spirit consistently uses through you 
to benefit the kingdom of God. Now, our passage today is one of the most helpful places in the New Testament that talks about spiritual gifts. So we're going to take it a piece at a time and try to flush out some of what Paul is saying. If you brought your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, a quick note, if you're, if you're out of the habit of bringing your Bible, let me encourage you to get back into that habit. I'm going to start being more intentional about giving you something to highlight or to circle or to underline uh, during the service. And so if you're someone who's willing to highlight or underline in your Bible, I want to encourage you to bring it each week. You'll more often than not uh, be encouraged to make a note of some kind. Today, we have some interesting ones. They're going to be uh, words that usually you might overlook, but they're very important. So, Now, while you're turning there, I want to give you some background. The church in Corinth was founded around 50 A.D. Uh, the Apostle Paul was with them for about a year and a half before moving on in his missionary journey. Now, that means that every Christian in Corinth is pretty young in their faith. And if you have spent much time around young Christians, you'll know that they frequently have a lot of questions. So, they've sent him a series of letters asking him questions. And First and Second Corinthians is part of the correspondence back and forth as he is answering those questions. And so here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and then all the way through chapter 14, the Apostle Paul is answering a question that they've asked him, about spiritual gifts. So starting in verse 1, he says, About the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who's speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There's a few things I want to draw out here in this first section. First, Paul is saying that spiritual gifts require a kingdom mindset. Spiritual gifts require a kingdom mindset. That means the purpose of a spiritual gift is to benefit the kingdom of God, is to build up the body of Christ, is to be used to edify the church. If God has gifted you, and you're using that gift in a way that benefits you and does not benefit the kingdom, then you're doing something very wrong. And the second thing here is that Paul is saying that just because a person has a spiritual gift does not make them holy. He talks about them being led away to mute idols before they came to Christ. One thing that we believe is that God is not the only spiritual being capable of giving power or speaking to someone's heart, just because a person is gifted as a, as a speaker or a teacher, or even if that person were able to perform something that looks to you like a miracle, their beliefs and their teachings still must be in submission to Scripture. No person, regardless of their gift, gets to override what's said in Scripture. A spiritual gift will never lead you to be contrary to the Bible, to the Word of God. Now, there might be differences in interpretation and differences in understanding, and that's, that's fine. But never does a gift give someone the ability or the right to say, Scripture is wrong here. If a person believes they've heard from the Spirit, and what they've heard is contrary to the truth, or if it's divisive or damaging to the body, you should doubt them. 
And when in doubt, you should always check Scripture. If Scripture isn't clear, you should submit your thoughts to other mature believers or to your leaders and look for the Spirit to speak through them. That's the point of the next verse in verse 4. The same Spirit distributes the gifts. That means He will not distribute them for the purpose of division. One thing, one story that I like to, to, to point to here. <clears throat> now, you know that I love church history, right? And there's this story that just strikes me because it's tragic, but it really drives a point home. There was a man, an Anabaptist preacher named Melchior Hoffman. And he was a, he was a preacher in the 1530s, so that was just a little while before Menno Simons kind of went through his conversion. He was very popular, he was a very charismatic preacher, large following of people. He got into some, some disagreements with some of the other leaders, and so he kind of isolated himself from, from other people that could speak into his ministry. So he had a large following and no accountability. And then one day someone comes up to him after he preaches and says, you know, I've, I, God has given me a prophecy. And that prophecy is that you're going to have to go to jail for six months. But then after that, that God is going to use you to announce the return of Jesus. And through his own study of the book of Revelation, that kind of lined up with what Melchior was finding on his own. I don't know how he found that in the book of Revelation, but he felt like he did. Now, some of his followers really cautioned him about taking that prophecy too seriously. They wanted him to consult with others, and he decided not to because he had heard from the Spirit. So he goes, and Anabaptists were all wanted by the law at that time, and so he turns himself in, expecting to be in prison for six months and then to be released to herald the second coming of Christ. And he died in prison ten years later. Sometimes, even though we are sure we've heard directly from the Holy Spirit, we still need to submit to the body. Is it possible that a church can be wrong and an individual can be right? Of course that can happen, but it's very, very much less likely than that you have misunderstood or that you have misheard. So spiritual gifts require a kingdom mindset, and they also require the humility to be willing to submit to your leaders or to the body. Going on here in 1 Corinthians 12, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but there is the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. So there, there are different kinds of gifts, service, and work, but that's one of those, that's one of those words that, that really matters in Scripture. When you, when you see the word but, a lot of the time it has, it, it's saying something very important. And it is true here as well. There's one Spirit, one Lord, one God. And I want to encourage you to underline those words if you do. Three times repeated in this passage, different but one or different but same. The same Spirit, the same Lord, the same God. That means that every single spiritual gift and every call that we have to use them are in service to the same goal. They don't compete with one another. They're in service to the same goal, the kingdom, the church. 
they're intended to work together. And since they come from the same God and are working toward the same goal, they have the same importance. A gift for service is not more or less important than a gift for administration, say. And a gift for diligent work is not less important than a gift for wisdom or for teaching or for leading. Whatever your gifts are, and if you're sitting there thinking, I don't have any, trust me, that's not true. You absolutely do. Whatever your gifts are, we're going to be looking at, at specifically how to determine what those are next week. But, but whatever they are, you need to know this. You are just as valuable and important to the body of Christ as anyone else. If you look around this morning and you think that God wants to use everyone but you, you're wrong. He has gifted you too. And your gift is important. He wants you to use it to benefit the body of Christ. And that's the point of verse 7 here. He says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Now, this is another, uh, another good underlying opportunity. It's the word each. The word each. It's not a word that really stands out to us normally, but it's so important here. Paul leaves us with absolutely no doubt. You matter. No matter who you are, you matter. If you belong to him, you have a spiritual gift, and it's not less important than anyone else's. And he wants you to use it. Now, as a youth pastor, one of the things that always struck me, a common thing that young people would come up to me and speak about, was feeling that somehow there was something special about them, but not in a good way. That every person was loved by God, but them. Or every person was gifted or equipped by God, but them. And from the outside looking in, you can, you can see how silly that is. When we look at a young person who, who feels that way, what immediately comes to mind are all the things that you can see that are special in them, all the gifts and abilities and potentials that they have. But to be that person who genuinely feels that way must be absolutely terrifying, isolating, frightening. What Paul tells us here is that even when our feelings tell us that that might be the case, it is absolutely not. To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit. If we belong to him, then we have his Holy Spirit. And if we have his Holy Spirit, he has gifted us for use in the church. So the purpose of a spiritual gift is always to edify the church. Always to edify the church. Logan, would you grab me a cup of water? I'm sorry about that. Thank you. And whatever gift or gifts that you have, they're not the same as everyone else's. The Spirit works in all of us, but he works in all of us differently. That's another thing that can be challenging is we can look around at the people around us and say, I wish I had their gifts. Maybe you're gifted for service. Or maybe you're gifted for encouragement, something that doesn't put you in the spotlight. And you look at someone who is a gifted teacher or a leader and you say, why can't I have a gift like that? 
because they're, they're, more, they're more seen, they're more visible. It might seem like they have a higher status. They absolutely do not. That's not the way this works. The Apostle Paul compares the body of Christ to a physical body. And every part has to work together. The parts that you see, thank you. The parts that you see and the parts that you don't. The parts that look impressive and the parts that don't. All of them are vitally important. You are vitally important. And God has gifted you specifically in the way that he wants to for use in the kingdom. Now think about that for a moment. Here's what that means. That means that the God who knows you through and through, who knows your very best and who knows your very worst, who knows you better than you will ever know yourself, that God has decided which spiritual gifts are best suited for you, and he's given them to you, to use. He's given them to you not to keep, not to be afraid of, but to use. Moving on, verse 8. To one there's given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between Spirits. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one in the same spirit. He distributes them to each one just as he determines. A question that comes up a lot when it comes to spiritual gifts is, are the miraculous gifts still around today? And the church as a whole is kind of split on this issue. A lot of people think that the miraculous gifts were, were for a time, right? But when the, the kind of the New Testament came into being and the, the, the testimony of the apostles was written down and put together that those Miraculous, miraculous gifts were no longer necessary, and so they went away. Some people think that that's the case. Other people are on the other end. They believe that every real Christian has the ability, for example, to speak in tongues. Now, I don't know if this is a thing you've ever wondered about, and I don't know if you have a really strong opinion about it. I'd like to give you mine. Some people feel strongly that the, those gifts are gone completely, and I want you to know I don't. I have a real hard time figuring out why we could think that. Now, one-on-one, -on -one, I can talk to you more about that if you'd like, but I, I want to say this. I have seen things I cannot explain. I have seen things that, that I cannot explain except to call them a miracle and done through a person who was confident they were going to happen. I know some of you have experiences like that as well. The Holy Spirit is going to do whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do. And it's never our place to say that he's not going to do this anymore. On the other hand, I have prayed for the ability to speak in tongues. I've asked God intently for that, and I've not received it. If a person thinks that every believer needs to have it, then something's very wrong with a great many people who believe in God. I think what we have to do is we have to have a middle road. To say that they don't exist is to declare what the Holy Spirit does across time and the world in a way that I just can't imagine doing. 
And on the other hand, to say that every believer must have certain gifts, I think is proven wrong just by the people that we know and love who so clearly belong to Jesus and don't manifest those gifts. I think a good way to think about things is that the Holy Spirit is going to do what he's going to do. My father-in-law has put it this way. The Holy Spirit is like an 800-pound gorilla. What can an 800-pound gorilla do? Whatever he wants, right? That's the Holy Spirit. So what are the gifts? What are the the spiritual gifts, right? Because in 1 Corinthians 12, we have this list of gifts. And there are some other lists in the New Testament. If you're interested in them, you can take a note. You can read Romans 12, verses 6 to 8. And you can read Ephesians 4, verses 11 and 12. And and both of those places also have lists of spiritual gifts. But those lists are incomplete. They're descriptions of some of the Holy Spirit's gifts. And we know they're incomplete because they're different from one another. If one of them was was full, then it'd have the same as the others. But they're they're all different. They're written to a specific church in a specific situation At a specific time, there's some of the spiritual gifts. And I think it would be unwise for us to try to just make a complete list, right? To put the ones that are mentioned together and assume that that's what a spiritual gift is. And it can only be that. I think that's unwise. Because in my experience, sometimes the Holy Spirit gives gifts that are very, very specific. When I was in Niger and Niamey, there was a preacher who had a terrible stutter. He was our host church, or our host pastor for our group while we were there. We were with him for two weeks, and we heard him preach two sermons. And I remember, as he was getting ready to preach the first week we'd met him, he had a, just a terrible stutter. In such a way, it was, it was I mean, it was fine for, for speaking back and forth, but I remember thinking, and I'm not proud of this thought, but it really did cross my mind, I'm going to have to listen to a sermon that's going to be stuttered through this way. And, and let me tell you, in Niger, they, didn't, they don't preach short sermons. Some of you think I can preach for a long time. Let me tell you, church was frequently two or three hours long. And to, to hear a stuttered sermon like that, I was just really dreading it. And he got up to preach. And he started reading scripture. And, and he stuttered. And he set the Bible down and he spoke. And he didn't stutter again until after he was done. It was amazing. I mean, it was really amazing. There was no doubt in my mind that that man, despite the setback that he had, had a gift to preach. He was made for it. When he stood up to preach the word of God, something changed. Something turned on. He stepped inside of a gift or a special equipping or anointing and was able to preach in a powerful, wonderful way. It was an incredible testimony. But he didn't have a gift for public speaking. He didn't even have a gift for the public reading of Scripture. It was specific to one thing he'd been gifted to do. I'm sure he had others as well. But it's not always a general thing. Sometimes it's very specific to a calling or a place or a relationship. Now, there are other examples, too. A person might have a general gift as an encourager, or maybe they're just very, very good at writing encouragement notes. A gift can be general. It can, be, it can be, cover a, a whole range of things, or it can be 
zoned in to one. That's why I think making a whole list is a bad idea, because it doesn't give itself to that. God, through the Spirit, gifts in a wide variety of ways. Remember, a spiritual gift is an ability or a talent. Again, sometimes it's specific, sometimes it's very general. That the Holy Spirit consistently uses through you to build up or benefit the kingdom of God. Now you might be asking, so what? Right? Thanks for defining spiritual gifts, but what does this matter in my life today? Well, first... It means that there are no little people in the kingdom of God. I said this earlier, I want to say this again. All of us have gifts with the exact same purpose, to build up the body. So if you struggle with believing that you matter just as much as everyone else, you need to let that go. 1 Corinthians 12 proves it. God has equipped you just as he's equipped everyone else. You matter. Second, it means that you're equipped to serve. If you're not working in some intentional way to benefit the kingdom of God, then your gifts are going unused. You need to figure out how to use them. That's important. It's not a, it's not a sit on the sidelines kind of thing being a part of the body of Christ. Whatever gifts you have, whether it's, it's service inside of a church on Sunday morning or part of the ministries through the week, whether it's something different, You need to find a way to be used by God through your gifts to build up the kingdom. If you haven't done that or if you're not sure how to go about it, please come and talk to me. I would love to help you find a way to exercise your gifts. I mentioned earlier that that Paul uses the illustration of a body, right? If part of the body doesn't work, then the body isn't going to function the way that it's supposed to. You need to find a way to use your gifts. Now you might think, you know what, I, I, I understand I'm part of the body, I understand I'm, I'm gifted, but my gift is small and it's not consequential. And, and the, the body of Christ is not really harmed by me sitting on the sidelines. I don't have a way that I'm serving, but that's okay because what, what God can use me for is not all that big of a deal. Maybe you think you're the big toe in the body of Christ. But you know, if you try to walk without your big toe, you're going to have a real hard time, right? It's actually important. It serves a purpose. Well, maybe you think that you're smaller than that. Maybe you think you're less than that. Maybe you think whatever, whatever impact you could have or whatever importance you could carry just doesn't matter. I was thinking about that, that metaphor of the body of Christ and, and a person who just didn't take their value very seriously. And I was thinking about the smallest, the smallest part of the body. And I'm sure this isn't actually the smallest part, but the smallest bone of the body. And I'm going to hope, I'm not going to look at Dr. Lee because I'm sure I'm just about to get a whole bunch of things wrong. So we're just going to pretend he's not here for a moment. Uh, but we have a picture of something called the stapes. Now this is a, the smallest bone in the human body. And it's kind of like a tuning fork in your ear. It's, it's absolutely vital for your brain to be able to, to interpret and process sound, right? No stapes, no sound. The smallest bone in the human body is absolutely vital for something as important as hearing. 
You say, well, okay, well, well, it's smaller than that. I'm not even, I'm not even that big. I'm not even that important to the body of Christ. My gift is even smaller. Well, there's a muscle called the stapedius that holds the stapes in place. The stapes is about two and a half millimeters long. The stapedius is about one millimeter long. It is so small, it would be difficult to see. It's minuscule. And without it, the stapes can't work and a person can't hear. Even the smallest piece is absolutely vital. Whatever your opinion of yourself, you are absolutely important to the body of Christ, to the building up of the kingdom, to the edification of other believers. If you don't know what that gift is, if you don't know what that call is, if you don't know what your role is, that's okay. We're going to talk about it next week. We're going to have an inventory for you to take to help you figure that out. But it's important that you believe that if you belong to Jesus... He wants to use you for his work. So a spiritual gift, it's an ability or a talent that the Holy Spirit consistently uses through you to benefit the kingdom of God. What I'd like to challenge you for this week is to ask yourself, are you using your gifts? Are you plugged in? Are you giving the Holy Spirit the opportunity to work through you to bless and benefit the church around you. And if not, get off the bench and get in the game. It's time. Come and talk to me or to Pastor Ben or one of the deacons, and we would love to help you find a place to use those gifts. If you're doing, if you're doing that, but you're exhausted and you're worn out, you have a, a small role that doesn't take a lot of time, but for some reason it just it's just difficult, and it's hard, and you're struggling with it. It might be a sign that you're in the wrong place. Come and talk to us. We'd love to hear from you about it. See if we can find the right place for you to exercise your gifts. Now, it could also be, it could also be that you're doing too much. You're over-involved, right? And, and it's a tendency in every church for a few people to do most of the work. And one of the reasons for that is because when we ask for volunteers, it's a small percentage of people that, that are gluttons for punishment and raise their hand. Most of you, when you know I'm hunting for volunteers, part like the Red Sea when I walk toward you. It's, it's incredible. When I'd recruit for VBS, I had no friends downstairs after church. But it's important to not let yourself get roped into doing too much, because what ends up happening is you take away the opportunities for others to serve. And so maybe that's you, and you need to look for a way to step back and let others step in. I want to challenge you to, to ask yourself, are you either of those, or are you right in that sweet spot? And if you're in that sweet spot, stay there. Otherwise, it's time to get in the game, or it's time to take a step back. I want you to do some soul searching this week. And when we talk next week about what, how do I know what my spiritual gifts are, I want you to be ready. I want you to be ready to engage. I want you to be ready to go forward into 2019 exercising your gifts the way that God intends you to, to build up the body of Christ. Pray with me. Father God, we come before you thankful for blessings. 
We love you and we praise you. And we ask for you to be with us. Lord, it is incredible. It is amazing how you love us more than we could ever love ourselves, more than anyone else ever could. You love us through and through. You love us so much, Lord. You want to be with us all the time. You love us so much, you want to dwell within us. That's amazing. Lord, you love us so much, you want to bring us into your work, your rescue mission to save a fallen world. You want to, you want to bring us into that. And we thank you for the promise of life that we have through your spirit, through the gifts that we have by your spirit. We ask that you would give us wisdom and discernment to know what they are and to see the right opportunities to put them to work. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.